0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, and with me today, usual cast of characters, except for one. I'll get around to the one presently, Eric Whitehead at the dials. Uh, Phil Grant over there, He's, he can talk, but we won't hear him, so that's uh, not all bad, it's, uh, so And then the great Evan Lorenz to Phillips left, and I, as I mentioned, uh, Jim Grant. And joining us today is uh, Beth Robillard, who is the uh, president and co-founder of Bannerstone Capital Management. That's in Minneapolis, where it's not snowing. Here in New York, it is. We feel a little bit uh, like uh, honorary Minneapolisians. Is that the right word, Biff? Yeah. Biff, it is delightful to have you on the program, uh, which program, incidentally or not so incidentally, is sponsored by uh, three separate corporate entities. One is Health IQ. Uh, the second is a Zip Recruiter. And the third is uh, Grants Interest Rate Observer. Yeah, we just uh, rammed that into the conversation. Biff, welcome to the Grants Interest Rate Observer podcast. Well, thank you. I'm
1: delighted to be here.
0: Yeah. So um, I know Biff as a, um, as a, as a thinker. He thinks of himself principally as a father of two and as an angler fisherman, but um, I think of him as a thinker. And uh, he is practiced and quite successful in thinking along the lines of, of a market technician. In fact, he is a chartered market technician and in fact, in fact, was sponsored in that endeavor. That uh, scholastic achievement by none other than Robert Farrell, who was the uh, kind of the Benjamin Graham of market technicians, so um, Biff, without further ado, what are you thinking about
1: well i'm sorry about the weather I'm thinking a little bit about New York weather, but in the world of markets, I find myself reflecting on the very high likelihood that we're uh, in a zone of of epic change of meaning as an I, I sense that uh not, not a unique perspective but but a strong one and and the most pressing one in my daily life here in Minneapolis is observing signs that may point us in the direction of the new epic. Are we leaving the Pleistocene and entering the Hallocene? I suspect we are and it's going to be very important for future investment success.
0: Hallocene is a Do pretty pretty, have, have pretty bullish, is it Hallocene?
1: Well, it, uh, housing was better for people, if I've got my science right. But uh, yeah, I think the um, setting aside better or worse. I, I think it. Uh, I think it's important to think of it simply as different. Uh, we well, adapt. How,
0: yeah. How? How? Uh, what? What kind of difference are you thinking about? We've had, to, for example, we've had. To, uh, Evan reminds me that back when Ronald Reagan came in his first term in 1981, um, he had. Um, uh, nothing, seemingly nothing, as we can see now in retrospect, nothing but upside. Uh, GDP growth was dead in the water. The inflation rate was pushing 12%, jobless rate topping at uh, over 7%, the 10-year treasury 12 and a half. Public debt was a mere one quarter of GDP, and the S&P 500 traded at nine times earnings. That, that was a setup for Ronald Reagan. So incomes Trump. And uh, GDP growth is uh, knocking on the door of three. Inflation rate's less than two, or uh, that's that's the Fed's view. It's two. All right. Plus, jobless rate uh, well mm. low. Ten-year uh, Treasury nowadays is what two uh, eighty something. It had been two thirty-two. So, and the public debt is now uh, knocking on the door of eighty percent of GDP. And the S and P, let us say, is not at nine times. So. The setup is different, right? We've had a 35 year bull market in bonds, which may or may not have ended. We think it did in July of 2016. Now, how does the uh, halitosis age what was it you were talking about?
1: Halocene. Ah, yes. well, I, I think it's a very apt comparison. Perhaps not so much in uh, in a predictive way about future GDP and interest rate per oh, se. Come on, but at any rate, we're do, dealing we, with it, we're the, dealing the idea, with the
0: future in this broadcast. The idea would
1: be that don't you know, want when I arrive, uh, you know on the street, so to speak, uh, in the in the. Uh, early 80s, about about the time of of the Reagan reign, and it was clearly, in retrospect, uh, a epic change. It was a it was a it was a new era, and it was it was uh, very beneficial to, to recognize it relatively early. You may rem- remember remember Salvigson, fellow who oh, yes. was uh, working with Bob Farrell at Merrill Lynch in those days. Dan was, I think, the first guy I bumped into that was arguing that it was all different. now.
0: Okay, you're keeping us in suspense, though. But how is this going to be different?
1: I think the in the investment themes that benefit from secular forces will will change. Is changing. all so right? But,
0: but come on, it's in what direction? Well, in, we, have to, we have to we have to trade this.
1: Uh, I, I think the long bull market in bonds has rewarded an entire subset of investments that will now find a headwind with at least rising rates, probably rising inflation. They're probably the same thing in so many ways. So I think the playbook will change a lot in five years from now. Um, six years eight years from now the, the changes may be pretty obvious but there'll be a lot of water over the dam
0: right we want to get in on the ground floor of these changes so what sh- how should we be thinking about it and what should we be doing about it
1: well uh, in in my world I'm certainly fading the the dividend uh, aristocracy play and the uh, because it's important I think just to, to grapple with the with with what the likely effects are of a secular bond market that is fundamentally different if you go back to the 1950s and 60s, you may have a fossil record there you can examine to get a feel for this. Yeah, but so, doc, you're, you're, talking to
0: a, you're talking to a fossil. I, I was actually there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, in the well, I sort of was too. Okay, but so, let me but let I, me I,
0: ask let me ask you. You're you're a you're a chartist and a technician. You think about things in a different way than some of our listeners do. Um, the characteristic of the uh, first ten or fifteen years of the bond bear market of 1946 to 1981 was its slow pace. It took ten full years to ring 100 basis points to the upside out of that bear market. It started at two and a quarter, and ten years later, 1956, it was about at three and a quarter. So reference to the long dated treasury. So does your chart work give you any intimation of the, the tempo of, I guess we agree there's a bond bear market in progress, do we not? If we do agree, yeah, I think what's the tempo? Yeah, I think we agree. Well, what's the tempo? Is it well, ma- moderato or ad- andante or well, uh, prestissimo? That, 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 what is it?
1: I, I don't know that success will depend on, on an accurate forecast of that. It, it, it'll, it'll help. I think, that, you know, the thing that Bob Farrell pointed out to us so long ago is there's a remarkable thing in markets, they trend. We, we could talk about why or how, but they Do they trend? And so, if the trend changes, which I suspect it is, yeah, that'll be the next question is what's the rate of ascent of this new trend? And it will matter. But the most fundamental thing to be right on is is this pivot. Getting right on the pivot is primary, and perhaps being lucky enough to early guess about the subsequent rate of ascent would be helpful, but not essential. And I suspect it's going to be gradual. I'm going to look back at the 50s and 60s, and I suspect it will be a a gradual rate. That's a purely a guess the charts will reveal this in time and good chartists will probably cotton out of this idea sooner than mediocre or bad chart
0: how are you positioning bannerstone May pry well
1: we're uh it's a little bit like waiting for Godot, Honestly, we've been in this mindset for a year or two, and there's some evidence that we may be right, but it's fairly thin soup. Uh, the markets are—it's uh, it, like a confused sea on a uh, on a boat. Feels like uh, there are many sort of trends fighting it out, which which is probably. About right. If it is indeed an epic change, I don't expect it to necessarily all happen at once. But we, we're definitely uh, betting on higher volatility in our vol arb hedge fund. We're profiting nicely from higher realized volatility. To be not not, not to be confused with merely implied volatility, but actual things actually moving around day to day, not the implied no, volatility now, that's happening. Are
0: you are you short sure one and long the other? You got a, a play on the differential between implied and realized?
1: Yeah. Well, we can be at the moment. Um, um, a, a new position for us, as, which is profitable, has been a pairs trade in uh, in energy, have in equities, uh, oil, stock indexes that are bouncing around a lot. And not going uh, in any particular direction very fast, just back and forth. That's very good for us. But we, we, we would think that we believe that uh, short, it's This and this is not revolutionary, but we think it's wise to shorten lower duration, shorten maturities, presume that uh, it will never be better than the last five years for the dividend aristocrat to bet on growth. Uh, we think it's going to be very, very important in our equity portfolios to perhaps have the ability to raise prices at some point, which could be which is a long-forgotten art in American business. But as my dad taught me, it's really good for the bottom line.
0: Which companies might uh, – uh, sit- might embody this virtue of uh, being able to raise prices? What what companies come to mind that uh, one should own in that regard?
1: Well, let me click on my screen in front of me and give you a couple ideas of things that are, are working uh, for us. I think one of the... Fintech companies seem to be, for example, Square. We're long, Square SQ. It surprised even me. uh, What
0: what does Square do for a living? Well, Square is what we
1: think of as a fintech firm. Of course, Square is best known for its tiny appliance, which can fit into a cell phone and and, uh, process Credit card, debit card transactions on the spot, and this is they're they're elbowing their way into various other businesses, and and I remind you that I reluctantly speak about fundamentals like what in the world a company does. Um, I'm much more interested.
0: Can, can you give us the ticker?
1: Yeah, the, the ticker is SQ, and I'm, well I'm done.
0: All right, so Evan. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, <laughs> That's 66% this year. Well, that's okay. So that's, that's
0: that's that's the ticker. Up, up. Yes, <laughs> well, we are brought to you today by Health IQ, which is a life insurance company, the life insurance agency that helps health-conscious people like runners and cyclists, weightlifters, and yes, vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. So go to HealthIQ.com/grant to support this show and see if you qualify. So you know you uh, get uh, points on uh, various insurance uh, policies for uh, being a good citizen, but uh, you rarely until now have gotten points for, you know, living a upstanding, a wholesome and healthy uh, and kind of uh, buff life. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4% and 33% in life insurance. And those savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Health IQ can save you up to one third because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, and 20% lower risk of cancer, 58% lower risk of diabetes. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today to healthiq.com slash grant or mention promo code grant. That's G-R-A-N-T, we can spell that one, uh, when you talk to a Health IQ agent. So thank you, Health IQ. Biff, a question for you. Uh, you studied under yep. uh, Robert Farrell, and he's famous for 10 rules that he laid out on the market. And the second one is excesses in one direction will lead to an opposite excess in the other direction. Um, I, I guess as you study the market and kind of as you study it Under Farrell, what were the excesses, and I I guess the cycle, and what do you expect to reverse in the opposite direction?
1: Well, I appreciate that question because I I think it's got two parts. I think the temporal, the obvious one, the pressing one, is when does the next cyclical correction, the relief of cyclical excesses, when does that when does that commence? And I and I it could maybe it's already commenced. Maybe the Q1, maybe the highs in, but uh, I I don't have a great answer for that. I'm, I'm always nervous every third quarter given my history in the markets, but. from a secular standpoint, a more important answer is we are in the process of relieving excesses from negativism. I think there was a profound and important secular low in investor confidence in particularly the equity market uh, in 2008 and 9. And uh, therefore, like the market of the 50s, which I think was a bull market born in the 30s and, and delayed by the war, the most important force is the is an upward force, lift. Not gravity or drag, and I think that we're likely to see some, um, you know, spectacular cyclical corrections, and and at any moment we we're, we're, we're seem to be overdue for one. But I don't think I think it would be uh, catastrophic for an investor to presume the next cyclical decline, which which could get your attention, is is the onset of a new sort of secular decline. I think it'll be as we saw in the 80s and the 90s. There are
0: that, that's we to, saw in yeah, the 50s. That speaks to stocks. How about bonds, Biff? Well,
1: bonds. You know, Jim, you're 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 my bond guy. I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm gonna until I have a new hypothesis. My hypothesis will remain the gradual onset of a bear market, somewhat like the one you've alluded to in the in the late '40s and '50s. And it does seem reasonable that these mysterious forces that have constrained global inflation and interest rates still seem to be afoot. You know, I, I I'll know when I see it if I'm dead wrong on that. But I, I think a reasonable way to proceed is to fade uh, interest rates and to be very alert, but not necessarily to adopt the, the kind of posture that was so useful in the late 70s and early 80s that, that that were way this may be a very long bear market and it may have a fairly flat look to it on the charts for quite a while until the exponential math sort of gets to you and then it looks a lot different. But we could very well be in a fairly flat part. But the the lows are in. I think the trend on rates will be higher, um, and so that's 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 how I'm that's how I see it, which is probably not a very unique perspective.
0: This portion of uh, I think Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air is brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Hiring, well, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. So something better than. Posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. And these have, uh, invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% 80 of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through this site in just one day. So uh, businesses of all size, trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. F-R-E-E. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. Smartest way to hire. Biff, back to your idea that the stock market's in a secular bull market because of the negativism in, uh, in um, 08. Yeah. David Swenson of Yale late last year said he had an index of short sellers that had to be discontinued because there weren't enough short sellers. I, I have trouble finding enough bears to talk to anymore. Do you really think that there's yeah. still this overwhelming negativism in the, in the market anymore?
1: I think on a secular basis, there's a big result. Reserve. Yes, I think on a on a secular basis, a cyclical basis, Evan, I agree with you. Um, in January, um, you know, we have individual investors who have separately managed accounts managed by Bannerstone on a discretionary basis, and we got around. We were talking around the coffee maker here in the office about the uh, the, the spike in investor interest in the markets Bitcoin questions uh, oh Netflix questions some of the classical uh, qualitative indications of a peak in investor interest and that, that coincided very nicely with the peak in prices so cyclical uh, uh, we may have seen the peak already uh, and I completely agree however on a secular basis it's remarkable how unenthusiastic investors are I, I spent a lot of Time around a lot of individual investors for a long time in my career, many years ago. And uh, we're not seeing the, I'm not Banner Stone. The team here doesn't feel we're anywhere close to what we vaguely remember. It's been a long time. Since investors were truly enthused sort of on a secular basis, like you might remember they were enthused about real estate in 2006 or something, there are uh, a substantial number, in my estimation, of ambivalent individual investors who have not really come back to the equity markets in any big way. It's much more like the early 1980s in that regard, or maybe the mid-1990s than than the late 1990s.
0: Right. Uh, Hey, Biff, uh, uh, thank you for being with us. I mean, it's been um, a pleasure. I think of you not only when it snows, (laughs) you're living as you do in Minneapolis, but sometimes when the sun's out. And I think that... In your case, the sun is almost perennially out. So thank you, Biff, and I'll look forward to talking with you soon. This episode of the Grants Interest Rate Observer podcast is brought to you, uh, drumroll, by uh, Grants Interest Rate Observer, and in particular, the April 10th Conference of the Plaza Hotel, at which attendance is mandatory. Got to show up. Why? Well, you talk about volatility, a deep, discounted closed-end funds. That'll be Boaz Weinstein's uh, remit, Boaz being the fellow who smoked the London whale uh, way back when. Um, uh, what's wrong with the gold market? What's right with the gold market? John Hathaway will uh, explore. And here's one. Why rising interest rates in a $15 minimum wage will upend a decade of financial engineering in the restaurant business. That's John Hamburger. Well, I don't know. This is going to be uh, a pretty fabulous affair. And um, as I say, you got to be there. So do. See you at the Plaza Hotel on April 10th. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us today on Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air.